0: Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to the Vet Method podcast where we bring team training concepts to independent veterinary practice owners who want to grow revenues through a high performance team. My name is Sanjay Mangabai and I'm based in the beautiful city of Salisbury in the southwest of England and today I'm very pleased to be joined by Melissa Tompkins. Hi Melissa, welcome.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So whereabouts are you today?
1: I'm in Long Beach, California, which is in Southern California.
0: Sounds lovely.
1: Yes, we had thunderstorms yesterday, which was mm-hmm. really different from most Californians.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. A little bit about Melissa. She lives and breathes veterinary management. She's the owner of South Coast Veterinary Management Solutions and is a certified veterinary practice manager, a certified compassion fatigue professional, and is credentialed in HR for the state of California. She loves helping veterinary hospitals fulfill their goals and be successful. And the title of the podcast today is, Why Going Rogue Was the Best Decision I Ever Made. And we're going to talk about that for the next few minutes. Okay, Melissa, let's start with question number one. Who is your ideal client?
1: Um, my ideal client is a little bit different than veterinary hospitals. I, when I opened my own management consulting business a few years ago, My client became the veterinarian and the practice manager as opposed to the pet owner. So my ideal client is the practice owner who knows that they need help Mm -hmm. and is not only willing to reach out and contact me, but also who is willing to make some changes that I will suggest or recommend. And my ideal client is that doctor who really wants to make their practice stronger and use my skills and my knowledge and my resources to be able to do that. And that—that that is my ideal client, uh, as opposed to the pet owner that it used to be. And uh, it's just slightly for me over the past few years.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So basically, it's practice owners who may be frustrated in some way, and who also recognize that, you know, things need to change, and they need they need some help to make that change. Because after all, we're not trained to manage practices, practices become really chaotic and very time poor and things can get quickly out of control. As happened in my practices, I have first-hand experience of that. So maybe not feeling the love as much as they as they used to.
2: The <laughs> in when you own it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect. That leads us nicely on to question number two. What's the biggest problem your clients face and how do you help them solve it?
1: I think that since I, I sort of have devoted my expertise and knowledge and training and everything to practice management, it, there's not one problem. <laughs> there is a lot of problems in practice management. So I would say solving all of those problems is almost impossible. But I use my skills to try to help solve each problem as it comes or as needed to be. So common problems that I see are you know, lack of training within the team, uh, employee morale, or motivation, or retention—you know—client service issues, especially now during the uh-huh. last, years, clients have become very complicated and difficult, and uh-huh. the team is not always equipped to deal with that. So, dealing with that kind of training and giving them, you know, the skills to do more to help those clients and to help themselves, we see a lot of compassion fatigue in our field, and uh-huh. one of the problems today is really helping the team get through that and manage it. And I think the first problem is for practice owners to even recognize that their team is burned out. And so Uh that is a really big problem. And then in addition to the financial aspect of running a business and all the things that go with trying to manage your inventory and manage that you're making a profit and manage your expenses and all of that stuff. So there's a lot of problems that I help tackle. And like I said, I don't think I've solved every one of them. Yeah. I just try (laughs) to solve it to the best of my ability and then give them the skills to be able to solve it for themselves to an extent. I am a very hands-on practice uh, consultant. I don't Uh believe giving you a list and then walking away and letting you figure it out for yourself. I want to help the hospitals deal with those problems. And when they have a practice manager, it's awesome because then I can help them and take some of the things off their list that they can't get to. So Uh I'd say solving those extra problems sometimes is actually possible. Sometimes it's not, but sometimes it absolutely is when you can help them as a team.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You've
0: touched on so, so many things there, Melissa. You know, practice is complicated these days. Modern practice is complicated. And you talked about having to deal with multiple problems. And the thing is, they have those problems happen simultaneously, you know, and there's so many distractions for your time and you don't have time to do everything. And then for me, that easily leads into, this thing, this overwhelm and this burnout that you talked about, because so many problems to tackle and it's hard to know where to, where to start. And you do things, you know, if, if you're anything like me, you know, haphazardly kind of thing. Question number three What are the typical symptoms people experience with that problem? You know, their pain points.
1: I think that stems, symptoms and kind of already mentioned, I guess, is the burnout and the stress. And the compassion fatigue, with uh-huh. this, uh, especially with a practice owner who's trying to, you know, hold their business together and make sure they can pay their employees and having all the business entity end. In addition to what veterinarians, you know, struggle with just the emotions and working with the animals and working with the clients. And I, I think most of the symptoms I would see would actually be kind of physical, uh, as far or emotional that uh-huh. they're feeling that stress and burden, and it's because. You know, practice management is very difficult and it's definitely not easy That's, or everybody would do it and everybody would totally you know do it fantastically but it's not easy and so it is a struggle uh-huh. and i think i see it kind of in the burnout and the overwhelming nature you know that hospital leadership and even the team are experiencing uh-huh. with being so busy right now the way the uh-huh. hospitals are i feel like i see it as a physical symptom actually. And then of course, you know, right now, I think a lot of hospitals are doing well profit wise, because Mm -hmm. there's just so much business. I mean, they are turning away clients. I know a lot of hospitals that are no longer able to accept new clients because they're just so Mm -hmm. busy. And so I feel like the profit is there. But the question is, will it be there a year from now? You know, that Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So all the leadership still has that worry too. So Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of emotional and physical symptoms. (laughs) Yeah leadership is dealing with today as far as what the problems are that we see in retinal practice management.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I echo all those things that you said. I think the symptoms are, you know, emotional, mental, as well as physical. They eventually become physical, I think, if it goes unaddressed for too long. You know, some stress is good, but there's this all this negative stress that we feel. And we don't know how to how to handle that, how to cope that, or how to maybe even how to slow things down. Um yeah, this you know no one teaches us about emotional intelligence and recognizing when we have when we're going through these problems, you know.
1: Yes. I really feel like schools could do wonders if they yeah. taught emotional intelligence in Yeah. I don't know, even elementary school, you know, just basic stuff. If we learned that when we were younger, we would be so much more involved as adults. Uh-huh. I I really feel like you kind of hit that on the head with that term because it's so true. So true.
2: Absolutely. Okay.
0: Thank you for that, Melissa. There's got a question number four. What are the common mistakes that people make when trying to solve that problem? You know, the things they thought might work, the things they try, but fail.
1: I think a couple of mistakes I see, especially in like the practice management side of things is one reacting to one situation and making a huge change because of it. And sometimes it could be necessary if it's a safety thing, you know, like a dog escaped because you don't double leash or something like that, that there's definitely a safety component to it. But what I see a lot is that one client complains of something and then an the entire protocol is now different. And I feel like they're being reactive to things without stopping and, and really analyzing, okay, is this likely to happen again in the future? Does something really need to change? And I think that's where most, leadership in veterinary hospitals don't necessarily stop to do that and they make a quick change and the thing that confuses the employees a lot of the times, you know the team members don't know what protocol to follow because something has changed so fast they don't even know exactly why it's being changed and it might be for a situation that's never going to happen again or you know especially if it's like a client complaint or something Mm -hmm. where One client complained, but the other hundred didn't because the other hundred don't have a problem with it. So I feel like you really want to like kind of analyze when you're making a protocol change instead of being too reactive and always getting, you know, like if you're reacting towards an employee because you think they made a mistake, it's getting two sides to the story because Uh you react at the employee without knowing enough. And I think that, you know, so overall being reactive is kind of a negative thing that I I feel like. And the other thing that I see a lot of is when you implement a change that is actually a good change and it's necessary, you know, especially like going curbside this past year, where most hospitals, in fact, a lot of hospitals are still curbside uh, today. That allowing the change to adjust, giving it time, really making sure that you've communicated what that change is, that all the team understands it, and really giving it time to take a foothold and establish. A lot of times we give up on change too quickly. Mm-hmm. Think, oh people aren't doing it and then we go back to the old way and obviously curbside we didn't necessarily do that with but other things and i think that you know having the patience to allow the change to really fully take effect there's something called the change curve mm-hmm. and if you've ever seen that diagram it talks about like when you first implement it and how it, it starts to go towards change and then it kind of stops because mm-hmm. something people forget or whatever so i would say not being too reactive and really giving time for the change to be effective and for you to measure the success of it Uh or failure because sometimes a change isn't going to work and that's okay. Uh You want to see it through and then go, okay, yeah, this is not working and then try something different. And those are the two, two of the common mistakes I see, especially. Uh in
0: Okay. Wow. There's quite a lot to unpack there, Melissa, but basically one of the bigger mistakes is people probably overreacting to, to something. Yeah, a knee jerk reaction to a complaint, or a problem, and then making a change that doesn't necessarily need to happen. And uh, I think as vets, we tend to be those kind of perfectionist people, at least for myself. So <laughs> yeah. so if one thing if one client leaves, oh, my goodness, maybe they're all leaving, you know, that kind of thing. And yet, you know, it took me years to realize that at least, you know, I don't know what the statistic is in the in the US, but about at least 10% of clients are complaining at any one moment. But, if, you know, I'm glad I never knew that when I first started practice ownership. <laughs> you know, when one member of staff complains, we think that all the staff aren't happy, that kind of thing. And then the other problem is a failure maybe to know how to implement something, a change, and not knowing how, you know, maybe giving up too, you know, too early, I think you mentioned, you know, yes. not giving it long enough or not, you know, adjusting it giving it up altogether before the change actually happens. Yeah. Yeah, two, yeah, really common mistakes and one yes. that I am certainly guilty of multiple times.
2: <laughs> We've all done it. We're all guilty of these things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right, thank you. Let's move on to question number 5. What is one valuable free action that someone listening to this can implement that will help them solve that problem?
1: I think That will kind of depend on what the problem is. And since practice is so broad, but besides reaching out to me, you know, I can help, but that's not necessarily free, Mm -hmm. but I think that I would say kind of focus, figure out what your biggest problem that you're struggling is, and then focusing on how you can work with that problem. So if your biggest problem is recruiting team members, you know, taking action, trying to reach out to have a recruiter help you. It's a free action for you to go and look it up and things like that. Mm-hmm. If your biggest problem is team training, well, go and figure out how to implement a phase training program. And the free action is kind of like recognizing where the problem is and just knowing that there's resources that you can use. And a lot of those resources are free. You can mm-hmm. probably find free templates for like phase training. Mm-hmm. So phase training for those who may not know is basically training a new employee in phases. Mm -hmm. Rather than starting them on day one and expecting them to learn everything, Mm -hmm. you kind of say, okay, on day one, we're going to do these things. And it's a checklist that you kind of check off. And usually that's like basic orientation stuff. And then you have during their first week, you want them to learn these things. And usually it's about you know two months, maybe 30 days to 60 days of written phase training Mm -hmm. where every week they're learning new things. And Mm -hmm. you can't always follow that system perfectly because not everything happens in a given week you may not mm-hmm. do having a technician that you want them to prove that they can do you know x-rays or something you might not have x-rays during that time period so it doesn't mm-hmm. always work perfectly but
2: mm-hmm. i would say
1: the training is really focusing on how you can track your team members success in their training and using phase training as a way to do that and you can mm-hmm. download documents and templates that can help with that and then you can kind of tailor them to your own needs so those are sort of i guess free tips To kind of help, it just, like I said, it really depends on what you're struggling with. Uh There are all sorts of resources for practice management.
2: Uh
1: The other other free tip I will give you is find a practice manager if you're struggling with practice management Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: you don't have one because one of the mistakes I've seen veterinarians do a lot is looking at the expense of a practice manager and thinking they can't afford one without Mm -hmm. recognizing how much money They could actually save having one, Uh and that goes into the time that the doctor spends practice managing. I saw a stat a few years ago that was like for every hour that you're practice managing, you're losing like 140 dollars or something like that. And so, thinking of it as when you are practice managing your hospital, you are actually losing money.
2: Absolutely,
1: money, seeing clients, and doing surgeries, and all of those things, or maybe getting some rest Uh (laughs) and taking care of yourself. So I would say that that would be another free tip I would give you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: (laughs) an an Sorry, carry on.
1: No, no, that was it.
0: And that's an important tip, Melissa. So what we talked about, what you talked about, is figuring out what your biggest frustration is. Maybe taking the time to stop and just think, what is it that you're struggling with the most? And then you mentioned that there's loads of free resources out there once you know what you're looking for.
2: Okay? Okay
0: and at the end you talked about having a practice manager and that was something that was life changing for me and if i may just add you know let them be a manager don't don't just hire them to be an administrator let them make some decisions and let them manage so that the vets can do or the owner if he's still a clinician he can do what he's best at and and leave the rest up to the manager that was a really valuable tip thank you mr great so let's go to question number six only two questions to go. <laughs> what is one valuable free resource that you can direct people to that will further help with
1: oh, yeah. problems? So obviously, most of you have probably heard of the American Animal Hospital Association. They uh-huh. have a lot of practice management resources. You may have also heard of the Veterinary Hospital Managers Association. Uh-huh. The VHMA. They also have resources. Some of them do require membership. So uh-huh. you might need to be a member to access some of those things. But uh-huh. I do recommend you know that it, you become a member, whether you're a practice owner or a practice manager, so that you can get those resources and all that information. They have a ton of webinars and educational mm-hmm. components and training that really help. Mm-hmm. There. Is also, you know, sometimes the state, your state VMA, mm-hmm. or even the local VMA to your area. I know mm-hmm. our California Veterinary Medical Association is very active. We have a huge network of people asking questions, sharing information, and mm-hmm. our VMA has a lot of really good tips as well and especially with COVID I feel like it was really nice to have resources that you could fall back on to figure out what to do what are hospitals doing right now you know and mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of resources within your state and even local area depending on the state mm-hmm. how active it is
2: mm-hmm. there is
1: their local networking within your colleagues there's a lot of Facebook groups for veterinarians for practice owners mm-hmm. managers and there's a lot of I would say communication. And I think that's one thing that I'm very fortunate being in Southern California, probably because our traffic is so bad that when you're a distance from people, it's not, you're not competing against them because they're not, there's no competing when someone else is in traffic for an hour to go to the hospital, even though it's only like 15 miles down the road. What I've seen is a huge collaboration and people getting together and really sharing, you know, not trade secrets, but information yeah. on the struggles they're having and problems they're having. And so I feel like the networking in your local community, or even on some of those other Facebook groups, is really instrumental to helping. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's just nice to know that other people are struggling with your same exact problem. Mm-hmm. I think there's a huge, you know, as a leader, you don't get to share with your team that you're stressed about something. Mm-hmm. So when you interact with other leaders who are having the same experiences, I feel like that's really huge. And I feel like you can kind of utilize all those different sites. And obviously, the, I forgot about the AVMA. And probably because I'm not a veterinarian, they're not always my first resource. But they have so many awesome resources mm-hmm. that I've given a lot in some of my presentations that I've given to kind of fall back and, hey, who has you know answers to this? And so I'd say the AVMA is another really good resource to answer your questions and give you some information.
0: Fantastic, Melissa. You mentioned some really good resources. AHA, the AHA, the VHMA, AVMA as well, AVMA. A-V- H A, I think it is Avma, or uh, something like that. But um, yep. you've got loads of really good resources on your website, so I just wanted to draw our listeners' attention to that, and they can find that at southclosetobetreemansolutions dot com, and we'll have a link to your website in the resources section of of the podcast. And you also mentioned while you're talking about that about you know about social proof, you know, just meeting other people, helping each other, and knowing that you're not alone. In the struggle, sometimes, and also celebrating some of the successes, finding out what what works for other practices, that can be really important and really valuable when you meet others. And you know, now that we're meeting each other in person a lot more, I think it, you know it's an opportunity that we've been missing for the last almost two years.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Fantastic. And finally, question number seven: What's the one question, Melissa, that I should have asked you that I didn't?
1: I was thinking about that, and I'm like. Oh but one thing I realized that with the title of my, my interview, it doesn't necessarily match with what we've talked about because uh-huh. I've talked about helping and how people can help themselves and you know, different hospital problems and things like that. And so I guess one thing I would want people to know, whether they're a veterinarian or a practice manager or a team member, is that when I decided to open my own consulting business and I called it going rogue because I was just kind of like, I'm just gonna jump off this crazy cliff and become a business owner. (laughs) And you know, I kind of had thought about it ahead of time, but I didn't necessarily do all the proper planning that people do when they become a business owner. But (sighs) I feel like I'd wanna give the advice of, you know, life is short and if you're not happy in what you're doing and or you feel like you want to do more, then just do it. The worst thing I've seen so many people fail at something because they never actually tried Mm -hmm. and they Felt like they kept wanting to do something and they never did it, and I feel like that's where you know just try. I feel like if you want to need savings, get some savings so that you can still you know obviously pay your mortgage and buy groceries and all of that when you make this leap. But mm-hmm. if you don't ever make the leap, you'll never be successful. And I feel like we have this fear of failure instead of a belief that we're going to succeed. And so that would be, I guess, the statement I'd want to tell everyone is: don't be afraid of failing. Just assume that you're going to be successful, and if you're not, try again. You know, and I feel like that's the best message I would give people because when I did that, and I decided to open my own business, and I had the ability to help so many hospitals, it's been phenomenal. Uh-huh. And I go back, and I love veterinary practice management, but I love being able to connect with so many people and I didn't uh-huh. have working at one hospital. So I feel like whatever your dream and goal is, is just you know Nike, just do it <laughs>
2: yeah absolutely
1: don't be afraid of the failure assume that you're going to succeed i would say that's my biggest tip of advice i would give
0: wow that's really good words of of wisdom Melissa. there's no there's no risk sorry there's no war, reward without risk and uh, and you've got to go rogue and take that and take that leap of faith like you say and you know be an optimist yeah thinking that things will work out rather than things won't fantastic Thanks, Melissa. You know, you gave us some really valuable practice management insights and uh, also why going rogue might be a good thing. (laughs) And I'm sure our listeners will take away some really valuable ideas and tips. Once again, I just want to say, Melissa, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today.
2: Thank you for having me.